When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Statman Day Football Podcast. This is episode 64. On today's episode, of course, we are going to cover everything newsy in the world today. Then we're going to move on and talk about the Champions League tie Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid. Then finish off discussing the future for Real after their defeat. Anyway, let's get this party started. First up, the news. So the first little bit in the news, apparently a girls soccer team in Spain has joined a boys league and the season later they've won it. AEM. Lieda um, finished 12th in the first season um, in their debut campaign and then went on to win the league, which is cracking stuff to show, you know, the diversity at that level and, arg- you know, argue that you should potentially be still playing these kids um, at the age of 13 uh, up to potentially the age of 16 together and maybe even the future, maybe above that. We never know. Hopefully the league can and the world can move on with these types of issues. In other news, The Guardian is reporting that Romelu Lukaku um, has topped Mourinho's list at Manchester United for transfer targets. Another Manchester United news, Rooney uh, has declared his, uh, you know, his, his want to stay at Manchester United um, longer than the end of this season. Um, he made a little statement yesterday, I haven't thrown my toys out of the pram, uh, but I do want to play and help the team. Football changes, you have different challenges in your career and I want to play more, but I've tried to help the team on and off the pitch. It's fair enough for Wayne Rooney, who's sitting on around £300,000 per week He's really not contributed for Manchester United towards the back end of the season. He played quite well against Burnley, uh, but his last two games in the Premier League has been absolutely atrocious for me. Um, as uh, Manchester United, I'd definitely move on Wayne Rooney in the summer. In Newcastle news, Rafa Benitez has been told by Mike Ashley that he can have every last penny to build a successful dynasty over at Newcastle, which is interesting stuff. Benitez heavily linked today with Manchester City duo Mangala and Fernando. Could be quite interesting to see Mangala in a, you know, sort of more defensive team, not going to be so open on the counter-attack. Would, I think you'd do pretty well, um, you know, playing in a, in a slightly more defensive team, not going to be exposed on the halfway line, can just be a natural defender. Um, and in terms of uh, Fernando, seems like the perfect guy for Rafa Benitez, who loves his defensive midfielders. Moving on to some news coming out of Catalonia. Catalonia Radio um, coming out today and saying that Barcelona are considering Thomas Tuchel as a potential candidate to succeed Luis Enrique at Barcelona. Interesting stuff there. Obviously, we broke the news yesterday that Thomas Tuchel um, has fallen out with everyone at at Dortmund in the hierarchy. Uh, 
Barcelona would make a lot of sense, um, which we spoke about yesterday, but it's getting started to go around now, starting to be reported. In other news, uh, Atletico Nacional are now champions of the Recupa Sul America, beating Chapoense 5-3 over two legs. That's, a, that's the equivalent of the European Super Cup between the Champions League winners and the Europa League winners. Um, you know, credit to Chapoense who had that horrible, horrible, terrible, terrible incident uh, last season with the playing crash, but you know, they are back um, and competitive, which is really, really nice to see, you know, a tra- absolute tragedy over in South America but Atletico Nacional are doing some really good stuff in Colombia the youth development is really really good so you know it's a lovely lovely game and a lovely celebration of the players that lost their lives but anyway moving to the Premier League where Arsenal beat Southampton two goals to nil uh, yesterday evening moving them to fifth in the Premier League and putting United back in their place sixth in the Premier League come on the boys in the game Mesut Ozil opened up the uh assisting with um, the Alexis Sanchez first goal, registering his 40th assist of his Premier League career. Apparently he's got the best um, assist to 90-minute ratio in Premier League history, so credit to Alexis Sanchez for doing some good stuff, and of course Olivier Giroud coming off the bench again, and um, bagging, I think he's got the best record now um, of any player from goals from the bench in the Premier League in recent years. But anyway, that's that for the news. Let's get into the juicy stuff, and that is the Champions League review. Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid. What a game we had there. Absolutely brilliant stuff. A fantastic first half. You know, the game was a little bit dead in the second half, considering the, um, you know, Atletico did need to score five goals, uh, given the Benzema goal. Oh, sorry, the... Isco goal, not the Benzema goal, the Benzema assist, uh, you'd say. But it was an interesting game. Very A lot of passion, a lot of fight, cracking support from the Atletico Madrid fans. Again, finished two goals to one to Atletico. Saul and Torres scoring for Atletico and Isco scoring a vital away goal for Real to pretty much kill the tie. And that's 4-2 in aggregate. So Real will meet Juventus in Cardiff for the Champions League final on the 3rd of June. I cannot wait for that. It's going to be a cracking uh, sort of blend of, of tactics and, and top, top players. But anyway, just let's touch on the atmosphere at um, the Vincente Calderon, the last Madrid derby that's going to be there. In the, in the stadium, it was fantastic. The, the TIFO they, that Atletico put up, the, the fans were so on it. It was jumping, it was bouncing. And here's some, uh, some little singing from the Metro Station after the game. Cracking atmosphere in the ground, but also after the ground. I really want Atletico to win the Champions League one of these years, just because the fans are so fantastic. What a game! What a what a you know what a great game to send off the Vincente Calderon. It was absolutely flying, and that sort of atmosphere that you know the belief of the fans really gave Atletico a lot in that first twenty minutes. Atletico were fantastic. They started very very well. High pressure, high energy. Madrid just couldn't deal with the tempo. Atletico were playing a very British style, as we call it, a very pressing system, probably more German than British, let's be honest with ourselves, uh, but it was high pressure. It went. It was a 4-4-2 against a 4-4-2 diamond, like the first leg. The problem with the, the first leg is the, the organisation of the Atletico press was broken by Zidane's system. Obviously, they worked on it, and they, they changed a little bit in terms of their press, which was very positive from Simeone. Obviously, Fernando Torres, you know, not really recognised for his defensive work, but gave Atletico a lot um, initiating the press with Antoine Griezmann. Instead of it being uh, Gramero, who does work a little bit, but he's not as aggressive as Torres. He doesn't give as much fight as Torres. But Torres, really, really good in the press to start Atletico going forward. And, of course, Saul, the leader of the press from central midfield, was a lot more active and didn't get booked early on, like he did in the first leg, allowing him to press, allowing him to work the whole 
um, you know, length of the pitch. In terms of the setup, the diamond, um, Atletico pretty much ignored Marcelo, which was quite an interesting tactic. Marcelo played very, very high like he did in the first leg. Um, the idea in the first leg was for him to play very high, uh, Isco to drift maybe behind in that area, but also Tony Cruz to pull to that wide area. So what um, Atletico did, Simeone did to, to deal with this you know, Marcelo high play, basically instead of um, the right midfielder picking him up like he did in the first leg, um, Jose Jimenez just dealt with him, which meant that the right midfielder, Carrasco, could pretty much sit on Tony Cruz and deal with Tony Cruz whenever he got the ball. Because Tony Cruz has been taking a really interesting position in this diamond. It's sort of um, at left back, as I mentioned in that, that first leg, but it opens up space and it opens up the pitch for him to play his passes. But what, you know, with um, the change in the press, the change in the, you know, leaving Marcelo to be dealt with the defenders, which is pretty crazy, is a crazy tactic there, opened up um, Atletico to press very, very well. And the intensity was there. You know, the bodies were back, the bodies were compact, they were pressing in the right moment the, the strikers would go then Saul would go then the wingers would go and then Gabby would be sweeping up in behind and it was perfect it was almost like um, Atletico were playing a little bit of a diamond themselves in this press and it was so so effective against Real Madrid and they just couldn't deal with it they couldn't get their passing going they couldn't get their you know the, how they were playing out last time was through Cruz getting the ball and then maybe rotating it to Casemiro who's head of both Modric and, and um and Cruz, but that didn't work this time because Atletico was so compact. And if they tried to play that pass instantly, Casemiro was pressurised on the ball, and it was fantastic, especially from Saul, who again scored from um, another corner. Fantastic header uh, since the start of last season in the Champions League. He scored more goals than any other midfielder. A cracking player that played very, very well, given his poor performance in that first leg. But Atletico were in control of the tie, and one man was absolutely rocking. That was Carrasco. In the first 40 minutes of the game, he had one shot, created two chances, completed three dribbles. Real Madrid just couldn't deal with him. Marcelo is one of the, the games where I've seen Marcelo look like a human. Whenever he was faced up with Carrasco, Carrasco usually had the beating of, it, of him. In terms of chances created in that first 40 minutes, no player on the pitch managed more from open play. And he was just absolutely fantastic. You know, on four minutes, picking up the ball on the right-hand side, dribbling Marcelo and then uh, working it to Koke, who uh, had a shot, but it was well saved from Navas. Navas had a fantastic game, but we'll touch on it a bit later on. It was that intensity from the start, that direct dribbling that caused Real Madrid problems. When they were on the ball, they had no time. And when they were off the ball, again, they had no time because Atletico were very direct, very, very quick to get the ball to Carrasco. Um, and again, he just kept on beating Marcelo. And then whenever you know, Car- uh, Casemiro moves over from defensive midfield to deal with him, like he did on Iron Robin, again, simple. It was simple, simple uh, dribbling from Carrasco, but classic wing play. And he really gives this Atletico team a massive, massive advantage um, going forward. It really ev- evolves the side. When he's on that right-hand side, Koke on the other, Koke coming in being the playmaker... Carrasco being that whip, Carrasco uh, providing something different. That's what Atletico have struggled with a bit this season. Carrasco's been fit and he's been injured. And he's a massively important player. We saw what he did in the Champions League final last season. We saw what he did in the Champions League last season. But he is massively important to this team. One thing that potentially could he, could improve is when he's beaten his man, when he's dribbled his opponent, when he's dribbled multiple opponents. It's the, it's the decision-making then. You know, there was a great moment inside seven minutes where he beat Marcelo, beat Casemiro. Uh, I think he then he dribbled past um, Ramos. But then he didn't get his head up. And Real Madrid managed to shut it down, close the space down and um, I think it just went out for a, for, a goal, for a goal kick or a corner. But it's that just slight moment. Slow yourself down, you're beating two players, slow yourself down, slip it back, Koke's got to tap him. And that's the slight thing that I'd say uh, Casemiro needs to improve on. But if he improves on that, he's going to be one of the best in the business. So direct, so good. He's like a natural winger, which we don't see a lot in the modern day. He's a natural winger who will take you on, who can play on the right-hand side. It's one of these rarities. Obviously, we're seeing a lot of inverted uh, wingers, in a way, you know, cutting into their stronger their stronger feet. But Cas- uh, Carrasco in it is just so good at going both ways. Such a tricky customer. And, um, you know, Atletico next season, he's going to be a key, key man for them. And, um, you know, hopefully they can push for the Champions League again and they 
league. He's going to be the guy that, that needs to be fit, that will push him to that next level because he is that good. He is the, has that quality and will be one of the best in the world, as I mentioned before. But that fantastic start from Atletico Madrid was unfortunately killed by just a Karim Benzema skill. It was, it was, innocent. it was just that. Atletico was so on top. They were so in control of the game. They had three men out on Benzema and a little bit of footwork, uh, you know, pass from left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, like the classic Iniesta move. You know, they've seen Iniesta do it so many times. The quick switch from um, his right foot to his left foot to go past the man, open himself up, um, you know, a little touch from the right foot into the left foot, then the left foot opens up the, the angle. And he just did that twice, Benzema. And it, it was a fantastic bit of play, brilliant bit of skill, um, and arguably one round Madrid this time. That one bit of skill, that one tiny moment killed Atletico Madrid and killed their game. It was just so good before that. In terms of Zinedine Zidane after the game, he said some he said some interesting quotes. I don't know how Benzema got out of there. We were talking after the game, and I asked him how he got there, and he told me he just didn't know either, which just shows you know sometimes in football and coaching and all that you can't teach this type of thing. This individual bit of brilliance. But Benzema had a very good game playing as a striker. Probably the best game I've seen him play this season. I've not been a massive fan of Benzema this season, um, but it was his best game in a uh, Los Galacticos shirt this year. Completed seven dribbles against Atleti, only Modric and, of his course, Isco managed more against Atletico Madrid. But he was good on the ball, played his teammates in well, was an outlet as well, played a little bit more of a you know target man, but receiving those balls to feet and shielding it and then slipping it to the likes of Ronaldo Casemiro to get the boot ball moving forward. But, but I Arguably, without that, Real Madrid would have had a lot of trouble. Without that one bit of skill, massive, massive, massively important from the Frenchman. But also a massive, important player was uh, Keylor Navas, who made a number of wonderful saves, made five saves, in fact, in the game. But that double save on Gramero and Carrasco, again, a moment that could have arguably turned the tie. It was around 66 minutes uh, in the game. You know, the, the score was 2-1. Atletico needed to score five, so they needed three more goals. But similarly to the first you know, the first 20 minutes of the game, they scored two in that first 20 minutes, really quick fire goals, one on 12 minutes, one on 16 minutes. One goal could have changed this, but a brilliant save. First on Carrasco being clean through, fantastic save, and then the reflexes to get up and stop Gramero. Gramero arguably should have scored twice. Again, would have completely flipped that tie. You know, he had one that was across the box that he should have side-footed in. I think uh, Correa created a great chance for him, but he just didn't put it away. It's just unfortunate for Gamero. He's been so good at times this season, but then in these sort of this latter sort of month of the season, he's just been quite poor, which is a bit upsetting because I'm, I'm a big fan of him. But anyway, let's talk on, move on to the more positive side of the game, and that is Isco and Luka Modric, who both were absolutely fantastic. The big question before the game, then I was talking to Lawrence McKenna yesterday, you were just filming a little bit of a vlog. Would it be Casemiro or Cruz to, to be the key man in midfield for Real Madrid? No, in fact, it wasn't. It was Luka Modric and his ability to be press resistant. When Casemiro was getting caught on the ball, when Cruz was getting caught on the ball, the one man that wasn't getting caught on the ball, and that was Modric. And it was so important to get round the Atletico press because it was so tight and so aggressive on those central midfielders. Modric's you know, close control and the ability to, to shift it past his opponent was so important. That fantastic bit of skill when he was on the right touchline um, did like a put the ball for his legs and then a little Cruyff turn to get out from two players who were pressing him was brilliant and it just made it made it easier for Real to transition through those thirds if they beat the press they were at the Atletico back four and it was deep in midfield it was Modric who was that man who kept on doing that his game by numbers was fantastic in a game that was high pressure high intensity completed 93% of his 75 passes and of course completed those nine dribbles and made five interceptions it was majestic one of the best performances we've seen from Luka Modric in a defensive press resistant type of type of game not a game where he's playmaking not a game where he's, he's scoring goals he's creating he's, he's doing his natural game a game where he's deep in midfield the, the, the moments around him the, you know he was the only one that looked calm on the ball in that first 20 when Atletico were really rocking when they were really up in their in their rail faces he was the guy that was calm just simple on the ball 
ship it away, get the get, get rail through the thirds, and it was a great performance from Luka Modric. Um, and arguably, like I said before, one of the best I've seen him in a Real Madrid shirt. But let's again move to the tip of the diamond where Isco starred, grabbed a goal that pretty much killed the game following that Benzema skill. But it was very, very successful again, completed the most passes in the final third in the entire game, 25 in fact, and those nine dribbles uh, equaling Modric as a, as a uh, you know game best. And it was an interesting one, he wasn't so involved in terms of a playmaking sense, he just kept it simple, he kept possession, which was so crucial. In the first half of both games, Modric completed most of his passes he only he failed failed only two of his passes in those two first halves so the first half at the Bernabeu and the first half against uh, the Vicente Calderon misplacing two passes absolutely incredible and it's, it's a real interesting one to see how the rail will set up against Juve because Juve this season play a 4-4-2 that is a very good defensive 4-4-2, very, very patient. Where I sort of spotted a little bit of weakness is essentially, if you can create um, you know, some central pressure there, we saw how Bernardo, Bernardo Silva got a lot of the ball um, in their second leg, but didn't do enough with it. If, for example, Real could go with this diamond, they still have that three-man midfield that uh, Allegri will have to potentially press or put pressure on. You don't want to leave uh, Cruz and Modric too much time on the ball, do you? You know, you know what they can do. You know what they can tell you apart. So if he has to press, and then this goes in behind, it creates the same problem that Atletico Madrid thing. So Allegri is going to really have to look at how Atletico, in that first 20 minutes, pressurised Real so well. You know, look at how Marcelo was ignored. Look at how the, the, the wide players have to get involved. Look at how there is one aggre- one presser. You know, obviously Sammy Kadira, if he's fit, could be that guy. Marquisio could also be that guy. Um, but is he as good as Saul at covering ground? Um, probably not. It's going to be really interesting to see Isco in the final. Because arguably, you know, the form that he's shown in these last few season, last few months in the season, he can't be dropped he's been too good he's been so good in the league especially you know playing for the B team carrying that B team Real Madrid B team uh, but also in these massive Champions League games arguably the the loss of Gareth Bale has almost been a blessing in disguise for Zinedine Zidane would he have gone for Isco if Bale was fit probably not but adaptable he brought Isco in he's changed his shape he's changed his system credit to Zinedine Zidane again showing why he is he, easily becoming one of the best coaches and managers in world football but again, you know, Real Madrid did do some good stuff. Again, they switched to the classic, uh, you know, Sancho. Vasquez coming on, they caused a few issues on the counter-attack, but it was classic Real Madrid under Zinedine Zidane. But the question I want to pose to you guys, to the listeners, is was Simeone a little bit too aggressive in the Bernabeu in that first leg? I'm talking the last 20 minutes of the game. At that moment, Real Madrid were only winning one goal to nil. And he went with a 4-2-4 system that it looked like, with uh, Gaetan, Griezmann, uh, Torres and, and Correa making a front four, leaving Gabi and Koke quite isolated in central midfield. They lost control of the game, they lost control of the central midfield zone, they lost control of Isco, and they ended up lose, uh, conceding another two goals. On the, you know, Both of them arguably coming from counter-attacking moves, or you know, Real Madrid winning the ball, and then you know, a minute later the ball's into the back of the net. And I'd argue that potentially Simeone's made a bit of a mistake there. You know, it, it, it kind of... I understand why he did that. I understand it because I've played football manager time again and I know I get annoyed when I'm losing in a big semi-final away from home. The amount of times that I played, I played a Dynamo Dresden for about two football managers ago um, and I won the Bundesliga like 10 times in a row. Never won the Champions League because each time I bottle it in these semi-finals and I do what Simeone did. You know, you're losing two goals to nil or you're losing one nil and you want to get back in. You think, ah, I'll put a, you know, put a, put a few attackers on, try and nick a goal. That's not what you want to do. You want to see it out. You want to be defensive. You want to get to that second leg at home where you've got that big advantage. It's so crucial in these games, the home leg. You know, obviously the away goal is massively important, but the amount of atmosphere and, and how the, these games can be created, being pushed on by your, your home fans is crucial. And also you plan that pitch you know, half of the games in, in, in the league season. 
You know that pitch. It's your home. It's your town. They have to come. The opposition have to come to your town. They have to play on your system. And I'd argue that Simeone got it a little bit wrong. What potentially he could have done instead of bringing on uh, uh, Gamero in that first leg for Torres was potentially bring on on Party for Saul. So Saul in that first leg, because of the booking, made him ineffective in the press. He couldn't be as aggressive as he usually is. So arguably putting Party on, um, Atletico could have been aggressive again. Gone Koke Party in midfield. Gabby holding. That would have been fantastic. What I don't understand this season with Simeone is he kind of stumbled on this 4-3-3 in the Champions League final last season, where he went to the 4-3-3, they got back into the game, they controlled the game, they should have won the final. The, 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 you know, the phase of play, the, how the game went, Atletico should have won with the ball. What he's done this season, he's gone to this 4-2-4 when he's chasing the games with Koke and Gabby in the midfield, which just opens up for the counter-attack. And that's exactly what happened against Real in that first leg. If he'd sat off, maybe gone, you know, lost 1-0. That's a, fa- that's a fantastic result. You, know, you think about that, if that had been the case yesterday, um, and Benzema would have done the skill, and this guy would have scored, that do not kill the game. The game's still alive. Arguably, Atletico could have been back into the ascendance. The goal just knocked the stuffing out of them because they realised, oh, I've got to score three more goals. And instead of it being, we've just got to score one goal, then we're in the lead again. This is big thing. It's this big whole gamesmanship psychology of the whole situation that I think Simeone got a little bit wrong in his tactics as well in that first leg. Thought he was fantastic in the second leg. Adjusted everything right. The press was perfect. The the selection of players, Fernando Torres was perfect. Maybe a little bit more for Antoine Griezmann uh, could be required. But apart from that, they played very, very well. But it was just that first leg that killed it. Go a bit more defensive. You know, to any aspiring coach or anyone that likes football manager, whenever you're playing away in the semi-final of the Champions League, in that th- first leg, if it's away from home or the second leg, whichever leg's away from home, play defensive. Lots of play on the counter-attack. Play deep. Don't go so aggressive. Don't open yourselves up. Because you've got that other leg. You've got the other leg, the home leg, which is vitally, vitally important. It's really bad reading for Atletico Madrid in the Champions League in the last four seasons. Each season, they've been eliminated by, of course, Real Madrid. The poor guys. But anyway, let's finish off the show by talking about Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN the future so let's move on to the future of Atletico Madrid of course um, you know what to do next another uh, semi-final that they've lost on and they've just been a little bit too bad you know they've been a little bit short in terms of the players they've been linked with today in the independent they've been linked with Jamie Vardy and Alexis Sanchez could be two quite interesting signings you think of what Jamie Vardy is as a forward he's almost a defensive forward he pressurises the opponent very very hard he works hard he works the channels he runs the channels he stretches you vertically when you, um, you know, when the transition is coming. Something that Simeone could could take on board. You know, we think about the the best Simeone sides have always sort of had a target man. I think that's the way he should go back to. But Vardy would be a different option, an option to really cause the opposition some trouble when they've got, you know, when they've got the ball and when they've not got the ball. It's that constant thing where when Leicester City won the Premier League, it wasn't just that centre backs didn't have to deal with Vardy when they're defending, but also when they're attacking. If they've got the ball at their feet, Vardy's going to be on them. Vardy's going to be making that decision. It's tiring for a centre half. So be a good signing also Sanchez as well similar thing puts the press on quite well we've seen what he's done at false nine um, for Arsenal this season what to be indirectly involved in um, what it's now 28 goals in 25 games playing as a false nine or playing as a you know sort of striker in their system which is absolutely fantastic but in terms of what should be next for Atletico Madrid uh, there's two big decisions 
Do they sell Griezmann? What happens to Simeone? Does he stay? Does he go? The first question, do they sell Griezmann? I'd argue they should sell Griezmann. Uh, you know, to get the cash, to reinvest it in other players, in the side, they still need to strengthen that bench. I think that's one of the big things. They don't have enough impact from the bench. And if you see, you compare, compare that to Real Madrid, you compare that to um, Juventus, who are the teams that are in the final this season, got great depth. That's the thing Atletico need to do. They need to improve their depth in all areas, but also in an attacking sense. And I think Correa that came off the bench, he hasn't scored in 23 games. It's this, this type of impact that we've seen from big clubs. You know, Real Madrid can go for Asensio, go for Vasquez. Juve can throw Cuadrado on. You know, Atletico don't quite have that player. Their, their first team is excellent. They just need to start developing that bench and developing the players um, to, to come on and make that impact. In terms of for Anton Griezmann, should he move on? Probably yes. This is probably the furthest he's going to get under Simeone at Atletico, I think. I think for him, the best thing would be to move to Manchester United, not as just a United fan, for, but for his career. It's that next step. It's to go to a super club. It's to start a new generation at Manchester United with Paul Pogba, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford. Be one of those guys. Um, and, you know, go and win the Premier League and do everything. I think he's one, you know, he's done, he's done very, very well at Atletico. He's obviously burst onto the scene from Real Sociedad being a winger. Now he's one of the best, well, the best second striker in world football for me for me I'd tell him to go I'd say it's going to be better for the club it's going to be better for him in terms of Simeone um, you know he's been heavily heavily linked with Inter Milan they're apparently offering £250,000 per week for the next coach that they bring in um, that's what they've offered Conte that's potentially what they'd offer Simeone Simeone's always said that he wants to go back and manage his former clubs his former clubs being Lazio and of course Inter Milan in Serie A but what I'd say is keep going Keep going for another three seasons. This team is is not dead. This team is fresh. This team is looking good. Koke, Saul, you know the start of a, a fantastic mid, um, you know, midfield pairing. The likes of Lucas Hernandez coming in. You've got Jose Jimenez that showed great uh, you know ability. You've also got um, the likes of Carrasco who's going to get better and better and better. Oh, like the team is there. It just needs a few more things. It needs a better bench um, and maybe a, a you know a rejig if Antoine Griezmann does move on. But I'd say to Simeone, stay there, keep going. You've nearly got it. You're so close to this. It's almost like a sort of Alex Ferguson type thing in the nineties where Fergie just couldn't win the Champions League. He'd always hit the likes of Borussia Dortmund. He'd hit Juventus. He'd just hit a team that just be slightly ta- ta- better than them, slightly tactically better. Something that Simeone definitely needs to improve that four three three that I mentioned before. But in terms of players that they, you know, could bring in to replace Antoine Griezmann if he's heading out, Lacazette's been heavily, heavily linked and had a fantastic season at Lyon, their top scorer, um, and has just been he's been so good, what, thirty goals he scored for the past four seasons. He is a goal scorer. I feel like they're very, very good with their goal scorers. So I'd go with um Lacazette over the likes of um the two players I mentioned before, Jamie Vardy and Alexis Sanchez. One good thing that they've got, though, they do have players coming back from loan. Uh, Vieto and uh, Kranvita coming from Sevilla. Kranvita, a defensive midfielder, obviously give numbers in there. Could help. You know, you think of what they had on the bench in that first leg. They only had party who could play, play central midfield and be aggressive you know, because they had a bit of, you know, the lack of depth. Vieto, as well, would add goals uh, to an attack as, you know, be a different, slightly different option, but arguably not that target man they need. In terms of uh, Diogo Jota, as well, coming back from a loan spell at Porto, could be the Griezmann replacement. Has been playing second striker for Porto this season grabbed a number of goals um, what he's grabbed uh, eight goals and, and six assists in the league but for a player of 20 years old after scoring a hat full of goals at Paco de Ferreira he has got a lot of talent you know he scored a fantastic goal for Porto I think uh, I can't remember who against um, in the group stages of Champions League but he could come back and be the next Griezmann he could be the guy that could be seen as this next shining light but arguably they need a target man a guy that I get from watching him this, this week uh, Bellotti would be absolutely perfect so aggressive so hard working in the press understands what he needs to do 
always on the move, always you know getting there in their faces. 25 goals in Serie A this season, 10 with his head. Obviously, a strength of Simeone uh, seems is crossing the ball. But what Simeone could do with those players, with Lacazette, with Belotti, potentially signing someone like Ruben Neves to come in to replace Gabi from Porto, is go to a 4-3-3 with uh, Carrasco, Belotti and Lacazette as the three, Saul Koke in midfield and Neves as a DM. But anyway, guys, that's been that for the Statman Dave football podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed the chat on the Champions League, what's next for Atletico Madrid and, of course, the news. But anyway, guys, we'll be back tomorrow where hopefully I'll be celebrating Manchester United's victorious semi-final win at home at Old Trafford against Celta Vigo. Anyway, till then, over and out. See you later. Goodbye.